understand that God is everywhere all the time, but it's to be aware of His presence, and that's the trick that they're singing about. And so, speaking to you who are watching in your homes right now, or maybe you're somewhere else, maybe you're on a phone somewhere, you're in a, just on whatever device, um, be aware that the Spirit of God is with you and um, learn to be aware of that. So often we can forget about the presence of the Holy Spirit. We're moving into a section in our Alpha course that just reminded me uh, about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we're just going to take a moment to pray, but I, I really want to pray for you who are watching uh, that you would sense right where you are the presence of the Spirit with you. Father, we thank you for you truly are everywhere all the time. The psalmist said, where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I hide from your presence? And Lord, uh, whether we're at home or whether we're out somewhere, God, when we're doing our daily, our daily uh, routine in our own, our own little world, Lord, uh, you're right there. You're right there in our car. You're right there in our classroom. You're right there next to us when we're on our computers and our tablets and all of these things. Uh, so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to you and to your voice. I think of the people in the book of Acts, and they could hear your voice. They knew oh, the yes, prompting Lord. of the Spirit. Even if it's not an audible voice, there was a general sense of yes. prodding yes. of the Spirit of God in their lives. Yes. And Lord, uh, we certainly need that now as we, as we look at our own, our own culture, our own province. Uh, God, I pray, I pray for people in Quebec City today as there was oh, yes, a brutal, Jesus. a brutal stabbing uh, overnight and two people's lives were taken and five people in serious condition in hospital. God, we pray for those families in the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray for our, our situation here where we're constantly dealing with this pandemic. God, that the presence of the Holy Spirit oh, would yes. overcome the yes. anxiety that yes, we feel. Lord. Uh, Lord, we think of our neighbors down south who will be having a, a major uh, election this week, and it affects us here in Canada. We pray that the will of the Lord would be done. Yes, Lord. And that the Spirit of God would have His way. Yes, Jesus. Lord, we continue to pray for uh, Nigeria and the situation that's happening there and the chaos and protests and violence in the streets, God. We want to see the Spirit of God reign yes. over this world, Lord. Uh, you said to pray, your will be done. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we want the your will here. We want to see uh, no blockage to what it is you want to do on planet earth, God. So often we can get in the way. But we pray that the Spirit would have His way in our lives, in our homes, in our cities, in our provinces, in our cultures, in our nations, God. So teach us, Lord, to be sensitive to You. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for the band, for helping us out today. As usual, you guys do a great job. It is so difficult. I'm just going to move a little closer to you here. Just a little bit. 
I like to be right up close to you, okay? Uh, so difficult to, to broadcast. We are right here in Institut Biblique du Québec in Longueuil. And it is such a challenge to, uh, to set this up. And we constantly have to be thinking that you are on the other end of this camera. And uh, so I really want to thank our musicians and our, our techies for helping out and keeping this going. And our thanks as well to the Bible College here. Uh, they do English courses here as well, you know. So you can check out the Bible College at ibq.ca. And uh, we're so thankful for them. Uh, for helping us um, to keep going here as we are broadcasting uh, exclusively on the internet right now, okay? So uh, you may be watching this on Facebook. If you are, you know what to do, right? You press that little share button on your computer, on your tablet, on your device, whatever. Press that share button, and that's your way of inviting people to your church. It's even easier than striking up a conversation and saying, hey, would you like to come with me to church? Like, you know, that's kind of the traditional way. Now you can do it the electronic way where you just press that little button. You can be in your pajamas right now. and You can invite someone to church on that subject. I hope you enjoyed your extra hour of sleep. Uh, and so uh, that's good. And if you are brand new with us, if you're watching us for the first time, Today, uh, maybe you caught onto this feed somehow. Somebody invited you or something. Can you do me a favor and text the key phrase, reach the one, just reach the one, no spaces, to 514-900-0130. What that does is that gets you onto our electronic list. All of our announcements are electronic. You're going to get them either to your smartphone or to your email inbox, and that keeps you in touch with what's happening. I send those out on a weekly basis, sometimes if there's other things on a daily basis. So that really helps, and you can opt out at any time, all right, so there's no pressure. Uh, and if you do that, I'm going to send you something in your email inbox that you're going to enjoy as well, all right? So that's reach the one to 514-900-0130. Check us out on our website. We've got everything there. Uh, all the videos, at least for the last six months, are all up there. Uh, we've got audio running on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. If you want to subscribe to those, that's good. We now have a YouTube channel that you can hit the subscribe button to as well. Once we hit 100, we get all these extra features in YouTube. So it'd be nice to hit 100 subscribers at some point. Okay, keep praying for our missionaries out in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, Michel and Louise Charbonneau. And also, uh, they're here for the present time due to, due to the travel restrictions, but Don and Marie-José Mann, who are developing material for leadership training uh, all around the world, okay? Um, now, an announcement for you that uh, those of you who are on our e-list, you would have gotten this already, but we will be having an in-person gathering at the Cineplex Movie Theater on uh, November the 15th, that's where we usually uh, meet, at least when there's no pandemic happening in planet Earth. Um, we're in screen number 10 at uh, Quartier Distrante in Brossard. Now, the theaters are closed, but they have made special arrangements for us to come in there on the 15th of November. There is a provincial restriction of 25 people for places of worship, and that's considered, uh, we're, we're going to operate under those those guidelines, so it's 25 people that we can get in there. So we're going to run two services. We're going to run one at 9.30, and we're going to run one at 10.30. You have to pre-register to come. 
because we have to keep a head count. We have to know the names of every single person who comes, again, as per the provincial restrictions. So in order to do that, you would have received an email in your inbox if you're brand new with us. Again, uh, if you send that key phrase to that phone number, we'll put it on the screen uh, one more time. If my techie can do that, reach the 1 to 514-9000130. You'll get the email, and that will allow you to register to sign up, okay, for each one of the services. Those of you who are in the band and the techies, you have to sign up also because we have to keep an exact count of every single person. So, you know, if we get 50 people, well, we can do 25 in the first, 25 in the second. And when you register, you're going to see how many spots are available. It's very, very simple, all right? But I do need you to do that. Don't just show up thinking, oh, it's okay. It may not be okay if we're already at our limit, all right? So we'll keep announcing this, but uh, you can start registering uh, even now if you have that email already. Uh, there's been a big response, good response to um, our our uh, outreach to Mission Nouvelle Génération, the uh, food bank in the city of Brossard. It's actually one of the largest in the province of Quebec. And I think we're 800 or more now uh, uh, that has been raised. And what that does is that helps needy families who are coming into the food bank. And there are some folks in our church who are benefiting from it. You, I'm 100% sure that you who are on the other end of this camera, you know people who have that need right now. And it's maybe the first time in their life that they're out of a job and the pantry's empty and the fridge is emptying out and they're scared and they don't know how to ask for help, but you see it, you can come to their assistance. All you need to do is put them in touch with me. It'll be entirely confidential and we'll get them into, uh, we'll be able to sponsor their food basket, uh, which is a huge shopping cart filled with food. You'll see it in the email I sent out uh, last week. Uh, or this week. And uh, so that does that. And that is such a blessing when you know that that's going to be, the food's going to be on the table. It's one less thing uh, to worry about. So thank you for your generosity in doing that. $15 covers the food. Uh, and we have a little bit extra so we can even get people some, some meat, uh, not just fruits and vegetables and all of that. So it's really, really cool to see people being generous in this season, in this time. You can also, uh, there's another opportunity through Operation Christmas Child, which we do every year. A little bit of a challenge, of course, with the pandemic this year, but still going on. And you can do this the traditional way where you uh, take any old shoebox that you have and you fill it with uh, items for kids. There's a complete list on their website at uh, samaritanspurse.ca slash OCC. So you can do it the traditional way and then you have to donate. I think it's $10 to cover the shipping. You can also put a check inside the shoebox to cover the shipping as well. Um, and it's all done through Samaritan's Purse or you can just do the whole thing online. And again, you'll see that in the email that I sent out. There's a link, and you, you can just do it right there from the comfort of your home. You can even choose supplementary items to their basic box. Uh, so it's really neat. And again, this is all through Samaritan's uh, Purse. You get an income tax receipt from them. This is a massive uh, organization, uh, one, of the, one of the most um, uh, well-known 
um, uh, humanitarian organizations in North America that reaches around the world. Uh, so this is a really good way for you to get involved in giving over the holiday season, okay? I believe the dates are, yeah, November 16th to 22nd is when all those boxes are collected. So if you're not doing it online and you're getting a traditional box and you're filling it and, you know, you're going to Dollarama and Walmart and all that and you're filling it up, you have to bring it to the closest location, and you'll see all of that on our website. There's a church in Chattagay. Uh, I've spoken with a volunteer who's there, and she's ready uh, to pick up uh, your boxes as you bring them in November 16th to 22nd, okay? Uh, and giving, thank you so much for uh, staying with it and staying faithful and learning that discipline of giving. Uh, you can do that through our website, uh, uh, through PayPal, or an e-transfer, okay? So today we are on part number nine of Dear Churches. This is from the opening of the book of Revelation in the Bible's New Testament, the last book of the Bible, the strangest, most craziest book, you know, the book that it looks like the author's on some kind of hallucinogenic drug when you read it, you know, you don't know what to make of it. And so we've been trying to pick this apart, just the first three chapters, which is an address to seven different churches. And we've talked about how Revelation is this bizarre hybrid, not even hybrid, it's a, like a blend of three different kinds of literature. It's, it's a letter, um, or what we call an epistle in fancy language. It's apocalypse, which talked about the times of the end. And it's also prophecy. So it's this kind of fusion of these three kinds of literature. That's what makes it so interesting. And so uh, there's these seven churches that are addressed in the opening parts of it. And it's a bit like a paper route or, um, boy, who gets a paper anymore? Like an Amazon delivery route, I suppose. And it's in a sequence. So you started with Ephesus and then Smyrna and then Pergamum, Pergamum and then Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania, right? We did that last week. And today we're going to cover Laodicea. This is in the area of Asia Minor in the Bible times of the New Testament, what would be called Turkey uh, today. And so we're going to look at this last church, and then next week we're going to wind this series up with what is the Spirit saying to the churches. But Laodicea is the last church on the list, and it receives some of the strongest criticism from Jesus of all seven. Uh, remember, there's only two out of the seven where Jesus has no criticisms for them. This is Jesus addressing these churches in the first person through the pen of the Apostle John as he's exiled on the island of Patmos, not too far from this area of Asia Minor. And so uh, Jesus has very strong criticisms for this church. Be prepared for what you're about to read. But also, uh, some of the greatest promises and some of, some of the clearest uh, expressions of love are toward this church as well, all right? Some of the background of this church, which you need to remember uh, as you look into what Jesus says to it, this was a very, very wealthy um, city, Laodicea, uh, one of the richest commercial centers in the ancient world at that time. Uh, many of the cities that you saw on the map, very wealthy. This one was probably the most wealthy. They had a large banking sector there. They manufactured local black 
wool. Remember that color black? You'll need it in a few minutes. And it had a pretty um, well-respected medical school. So it was very established city, um, very well-to-do, again, with banking and uh, local um, uh, production of this, this was known for this black wool and a med school, okay? Um, so this is important because you're gonna see how Jesus uses certain language to clue in to this city. Uh, there are also clues from the New Testament itself. Now, some of these cities that we looked at, we don't know anything about them, but some we do. Ephesus, we know quite a bit about because Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians. Um, but Laodicea, we know a little bit about because we have some clues from the book of Colossians, uh, which Paul also wrote. So I'm just going to flip over there and read to you the little closing of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae. And this is what he says uh, in, in verse, um, verse 12. Uh, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, you Ephesians, or sorry, you Colossians, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea, the church we're looking at today, and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, that's the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke, and Demas send greetings, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, there it is again, and to Nympha and the house of the church in her house. After this letter, that is this letter to the Colossians, has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans. There it is again. And that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. We do not have that letter. It's lost. Uh, so it is not part of the New Testament, but Paul wanted these Colossians to read a letter that he wrote to them, or probably that he wrote to them. It's missing. Uh, but in any case, that's what we know about uh, about uh, this this city from the New Testament, not too, too much. But we do have some historical background about it, and it must have been planted, the church there, either by Paul or by this guy Epaphras, who's mentioned in the book of Colossians. We're not 100% sure. But we have to put all this together sort of like a jigsaw puzzle. So I want to talk to you today from Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22, about the most dangerous deception, the most dangerous deception. So starting in verse 14, to the angel or messenger of the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. This is, again, Jesus uh, is speaking here. I know your deeds. Now, for some of you, some of your Bibles are going to say the beginning of God's creation rather than the ruler of God's creation. Uh, the word there in the Greek language is better translated uh, origin, ruler, architect. Uh, we get the modern word architect from that old Greek word. It doesn't mean that Jesus was created. It means that he's in control of it. He's in authority over the creation of God. I know your deeds. And Jesus often says that to these churches. Well, 
Let's see what he knows. That you are neither hot nor cold. Uh, some folks from our musician team and our tech team came in with, with drinks today. I saw them with, with uh, hot drinks. Well, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have enjoyed those drinks if those drinks were cold uh, because they wanted them hot, but especially if they were lukewarm. They wanted a hot drink there, and they came in with their Tim Hortons or Starbucks or whatever it was, and it was hot. Well, here Jesus says, you're neither hot nor cold. Uh-oh. I wish you were either one or the other. So your deeds show that you're not hot. There's no passion in your Christianity, and you're not even cold. So you're not even like completely opposed to what I want you to be. You're just sort of lukewarm. I wish that you were one or the other. Apathy. No passion, just apathetic. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, that is strong. Uh, We just got through with the Baseball World Series, and I don't know if you watched at all. I certainly watched with great interest. Uh, But baseball players are notorious for what? Spitting. And they do this for all kinds of weird reasons, rhythm, relaxation, some of them superstition, but they are really crude. And, and it's a crude thing. Uh, there's, a, there's actually one or two instances in the Gospels where Jesus uses spit in healings. Uh, very odd, but it's still crude. Well, here, this is a sentiment of disgust, and that Jesus is going to, he's going to spew them out of his mouth. So the, this is um, an image for intimacy lost. Blech is what he's saying. It's, a, it's an image of disgust that he has because this church is lukewarm. Hmm. Neither hot nor cold. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth. Remember, the very wealthy city, big banking industry there. I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you are, you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. They, they had this, this clothing industry, the black wool. Well, he says you're naked, you're blind. They had a medical school there, but they couldn't see uh, you're pitiful, you're wretched. These are all images of, wow, they're, they think of themselves one way, but Jesus thinks of, themselves, thinks of them in a completely different way, and they don't even see it. Verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. That's an image of faith. Uh, we see Peter use that image that faith refined by fire is of greater value than gold. So this is what Jesus is calling them to, so that you can become rich, not with material riches, but with rich in faith. And white clothes, 
to wear. You see the image? So you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Uh, Verse 19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Interesting, he moves from this harsh criticism to telling them effectively that he loves them. And because he loves them, he is rebuking them. He is criticizing them. He is disciplining them. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on the door. Remember, there was an image in one of the other churches. Well, the, he, the doors he opens, no one can shut. The doors that he closes, uh, no one can open, right? So here, I stand at the door and knock. And this here is the door of the person's heart, the door of the church. I'm standing here. I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice. Jesus said this in the gospel of John, my sheep hear my voice. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Again, this image of relationship, this image of communion, this image of worship. Let's have supper. I will Come in, and we will have supper together. To him who overcomes apathy, lukewarmness, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Wow, what a promise. Just as I overcame, and Jesus didn't overcome apathy, he overcame the grave and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the most dangerous deception. What is it? Have you ever been deceived by, and I've got a list on your screen. You ever been deceived by, let's say, a close friend? Maybe that would be like maybe your definition of the most most dangerous deception is when you're deceived by a close friend. It's the worst kind. You know, you expected this person to behave in this way. You counted on that person, and that person deceived you. A close friend. Jesus was deceived by Judas Iscariot. You know, you say, well, maybe that's the most dangerous, the worst deception. I would say it isn't by this passage. What about a family member or a spouse? What happens in a marriage when a a spouse is unfaithful to their partner? This is a worst kind of deception, we could say. What about a family member who intentionally deceives another family member? Isn't that the worst kind of deception? I would say that this, this scripture would even... Uh, portray one that's worse than that. What about someone in your church community when Christians deceive other Christians? Uh, and I have seen that many times and had that happen to me many times where, you know, this person's supposed to be a follower of Jesus, and yet this alleged follower of Jesus behaved in this deceptive fashion 
and just sort of cut your legs out from under you and stabbed you in the in the back to use the expression ouch i know people who have left churches left christianity because they were hurt in their church betrayed deceived i've had groups of people uh as a pastor i've had that happen to me by groups of people by individuals by I won't go into too much detail, okay? But when that happens in a church community, you say, oh, that is so painful. That's got to be the worst form, the most dangerous deception. I would say it's very dangerous, very bad, but it's not as bad as what is described here. What about from a coworker or a fellow student or classmate who, again, betrayed you, deceived you, lied to you, stole from you? stabbed you in the back, talked about you behind your back. The most painful thing you may say, I think the scripture would have something even worse. What about the devil himself? Being deceived by the devil himself. I mean, yesterday was Halloween, and uh, boy, in my neighborhood, it sure was quiet. I mean, there was like two houses uh, that were decorated, and you know, some people get all bent out of shape about Halloween. Let me tell you, the, the, the work of the enemy, and I've talked about this before, is deception. It's deception. It's the ghouls and goblins and demons and all that stuff. That's way after. It starts with deception, deception. Um, and so you may say, well, when you're deceived by the devil, that's got to be the worst kind of thing when you fall into his deception. No, I would say that this passage has an either, even greater form, an even more dangerous kind of deception is in this passage. And that deception is the deception of self. When we are self-deceived. So it wasn't a friend, it wasn't somebody else wasn't someone in the church. It wasn't the boss. It wasn't the co-worker. It wasn't the devil. It was me. I had deceived myself. And that, I would argue from this passage, is the most dangerous kind of deception there is because it's internal. You can, you can figure out when someone else has deceived you. You can even figure out when the devil's deceived you. I mean, the scripture tells us to watch out for his deception. But when you deceive yourself, when you buy your own lie, when that's constantly in your head, no one can help you. I mean, you've conned yourself into believing something that isn't true. You created that story You created that narrative about yourself, and you buy your own garbage. When you lie to yourself and you live that way, wow. I mean, someone has to come from the outside and knock you on the head so that you can see, hey, you're lying to yourself, and you don't even see it. And that's exactly what's going on here Jesus is knocking these people on the head, knocking on their door. And what he's saying to them is, you are completely self-deceived. Let me show you how I'll put a slide on the screen here. On the left side, you see what these Laodiceans are saying. And I've got a big one on big screen here in the, in the Bible College Chapel. This is what they say. They say, I am rich, right? I mean, it's Laodicea. Big, rich town, banking, black wool, medical school. I am rich. 
I have acquired wealth. This is what they're saying. Jesus is saying this is what they're saying. I don't need a thing. What's the common denominator in those three statements? You can put it on Facebook if you want, those of you who are watching. I am rich. I have acquired wealth. I don't need a thing. What's the common denominator? Let me hear the tech team. I. Yeah, it's it's I. Look at these people. I mean, so arrogant. I this and I this and I that. And look what Jesus says. Jesus says, you are wretched. Wow. Wretched means you're in a terrible, terrible state. You are pitiful, Jesus says to these, these people in this church. My goodness. Harsh criticism. You are poor, Jesus says to them. They're saying they're rich. Jesus says, no, you're poor. You're bankrupt. You're poor. You are blind, Jesus says to them. You are naked, Jesus says to them. Wow. They have completely bought their own lie, and it's all about them. There is um, a warning in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 8 uh, that this reminds me of. Way, way back, the book of Moses, you know, you've got a million people going through the desert uh, but this is a passage that I think Jesus may have in mind here when he's uh, giving them this criticism. Um, and, and I'll read little bits and pieces of it from Deuteronomy chapter 8 in the Bible's Old Testament. Verse 5, for example, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord our God disciplines you. And this is a warning Uh, that Moses is giving to the community to not forget the Lord. When things get good and when you enter the promised land is the gist of the chapter, you better not forget who brought you here. You better not forget that it was the Lord and you better not believe your own garbage that it was you who did this, and it was you who accomplished all this. So verse 10, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, When you build your fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow, and your silver and your gold increases, and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud. You'll buy your own lie, and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He gave you manna, verse 16, to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, 
my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, 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 just like the people in Laodicea. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Watch out. Because if you start to think that it's you who has done all this and you're so great and you're so terrific, problems are going to come your way. You're going to forget your God. And you see this here in this church in Laodicea. So I put in the middle, deception, Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's all over this church. What a shame. But then you see some hope after all of this criticism, and Jesus is going to counsel this church. Boy, I would love to have Jesus as my counselor. Guess what? I do, and so do you. Uh, Through the person of the Holy Spirit, that wonderful counselor that we speak about at Christmas time, Isaiah chapter 9, Jesus said, I will send another just like me, and he will be with you and be in you, the counselor, the spirit of truth. Again, Alpha Course, we're going to do the cover of the Holy Spirit this coming Wednesday, uh, so it all fits in so nicely. Here's the counsel of Jesus. He doesn't say this to any other church he, uh, in this list, but here he makes a point, verse 18, I counsel you. If I were that church, I would get out my iPad, my phone, my pen and paper, and I would start writing. Because if Jesus is going to criticize me like that and say that he's going to do the baseball thing with me, but then he's going to counsel me, I'm going to listen to what he says. I'm going to listen. So here he says, I counsel you. You need to buy gold refined by fire from me. So you need faith is what you need. And your faith is going to grow when you have difficulty in life. Remember what I'm saying to you. Your faith is going to grow when you have problems. You see this sustained in the pages of the New Testament. People grow in their faith when they are challenged to believe. Not when things are rosy all the time. That's easy. When things are not so rosy, that's when you dig deep into your roots with God and your faith starts to grow and get stronger. It's like the image of the tree. When the tree gets wind pushed on it over and over again, that tree gets stronger and, it, and the roots go in deeper and it's, it can resist and it grows. It can resist that wind that comes. When you face that win, my friends, that's when your faith grows, and this is what Jesus wants from this church. He wants them to buy that, and that's gold refined by fire, that faith that withstands difficult moments and that can make it through the heat. Buy gold refined by fire, he says, so that you can become rich. 
Nothing wrong with having material riches. Uh, and thank God for people in, in, in the church worldwide who are wealthy. Thank God, because they can use their wealth to drive uh, the values of the kingdom, to support what God is doing on planet Earth, to, to uh, drive what the local church is doing. I've often said it, um, if everybody in every church worldwide tithed only, didn't give any more money but a tenth, you would have worldwide revival because the church would be able to impact cultures, societies, nations in a way that the church can't without being resourced. But nothing wrong with material riches, but faith outlives all of that. You can't take those material riches with you uh, to the other side. He says you need white clothes to wear. They trafficked in black wool. Jesus says you need white clothes. That's righteousness. This is a symbol for righteousness that we see uh, in the book of Revelation. And so you can cover your shameful nakedness. You are exposed and you don't even realize this. You need righteousness. You need those white clothes. You can get that from me, he's saying, and salve to put on your eyes. This was uh, had a reputation for healing eyes or people with eye difficulties. They would put salve on them. You had a medical school there. Even though they had a medical school, they didn't realize that they were blind. It's hard to it's hard to deny the coincidence. Seems like Jesus is picking on things in their culture at that time and reversing and getting them to understand, hey, you need the opposite of what you think that you need. You need salve to cover your eyes. And then we see the love of Jesus displayed here and this call to repent and to worship. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. We see this in uh, Proverbs uh, we see this quoted also in the book of Revelation. I'm going to flip to the Proverbs passage uh, quickly if I can find it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3 and uh, verses uh, 11 and 12. I'll flip there because it's worth uh, you reading this, okay? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And do not resent his rebuke. Again, this is quoted by the author of Hebrews. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves. If you're not disciplined by God, how do you know God loves you? There are many parents uh, just in this room uh, right here with our, with our musicians and our tech team. And they'll tell you, of course, a loving parent is going to discipline their child. Of course they will. They're not just going to let them run wild. They're going to discipline them because they love them, of course. And I'm sure we could tell stories here, the parents that are just in this room, of how you disciplined your children because you love them. And I'm not getting into the whole argument about whether you used, you know, corporal punishment and whatever. That's not what this passage is about. But when there's discipline, there's love. When there's boundaries, there's love. When there's the word no, love is there. Do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. You see this in Hebrews you see this here in the book of Revelation, and he gives them this opportunity, and he's telling them, 
I am rebuking you because I love you. I am disciplining you because I love you. Rebuke is a, a, an old word. It kind of means like a harsh correction. It's saying, you are wrong. This is what a rebuke is. So be earnest, he says, and repent. We looked at that word repentance before, this idea of you change your mind toward your sin. And here it is. Here I am. Here I am. I'm right in front of you. Uh, we, did, we sung a chorus about the, the Holy Spirit and being aware of the presence of the Spirit. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, he's saying, can you hear any more? Can you hear me speaking to you? And opens the door. That's a volitional choice, I will come in. In other words, Laodiceans, I am not going to condemn you if you hear what I am saying to you. If you open the door of your life, I'm going to come in, and I'm not going to come in to hurt you. I'm coming in to have fellowship with you, to have communion with you so that you may worship, so that your relationship may be sound. I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Don't you, don't you miss restaurants? Don't you miss going to a restaurant with your friend, your family, and sitting down and having a meal together? There's something intimate about that. That's why when people are, are dating and courting or whatever term you want to use, or, you know, they're, 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 there's something that they want to do together, a lot of times, what do they do? Let's go out to eat, right? Or if the person can really cook up a good meal at home, wow, let's, let's go out, let's have something for dinner. And here, this is an invitation into the heart, into the home of the person, and Jesus is saying, hey, I'm, I'm available for dinner. Are you interested? I'm knocking on the door of your heart. If you will open it, I will come in and there will be fellowship and there will be worship. This is the call that he has to this church with a powerful promise that if they will overcome their present state, they will sit on his throne and have authority with him in the end of time. Self-deception, it is so powerful and so, so uh, deadly. I want to finish with, um, with another passage written by the same guy, uh, the Apostle John. And if the band can go ahead back to their places and you guys can go ahead and start playing something, whatever you decide, no problem. But let's give the people at home a song uh, as we close today. This is from 1 John. Uh, so John wrote three letters and then the book of Revelation. This is 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. You talk about self-deception. This is what he says. If we claim, and this is a message to believers here. This letter is to believers. It's not to non-believers. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive our selves, and the truth is not 
in us. Wow, you talk about powerful self-deception. If we claim to be without sin, I don't need God. I've made it. I used to need God, but I don't need God anymore. I'm holy. I don't sin anymore. I'm perfect. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's the same call that Jesus has to the Laodiceans church, the Laodicean church. If we confess our sins, I'm knocking on your door. Repent. He is faithful. He is just. He will forgive us. He will purify us. And again, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar. And his word has no place in our lives. My friend on the other side of this camera, maybe you're listening, you're watching, maybe it's a recording that you're watching. Have you conned yourself? Have you deceived yourself? If that's the case, God is knocking on your, the door of your heart and he's saying to you, wake up, stop lying to yourself. You need me more now than you have ever needed me before. All that you have in this life is because I gave it to you out of my love and out of my grace I have given it to you. Will you not turn and worship me? Will you not turn and open that door that I may come in and show you my grace and my forgiveness of your sin. That's the word of the Lord for you today. Father, I pray for each person who's watching, who's listening. In the name of Jesus, you would clear the clutter, you would get right to the truth, and you would speak directly to each person's heart that we would know Jesus afresh we would know the Savior, we would know His voice, we would worship Him. Lord, all other things in this world are going to lead us down a crooked road. Lord, our own lies will lead us down a deadly road, but Your road is the road to life. May we find it, God. I pray for that person who says, I don't even know if I'm a Christian anymore. Lord, I say on their behalf, have mercy on me, a sinner, and come into my life afresh, Jesus. Forgive me for my sins and purify me from unrighteousness. I open the door of my heart to you once again. Oh, God, would you speak to people today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn it over to the band and let them sing one last song before we close today.
Thank you. Yes. Okay. We'll try that again. Thank you so much to the band and all of our techies for serving again here today. Next week, we're going to finish this up and talk about what is the Spirit saying to the churches. So I look forward to being with you again. Until then, God bless you, everyone. Have a great, great Sunday. Don't forget to register for the 15th of November as we're meeting in the movie theater on that day. God bless you, everyone.